Welcome to episode 23 of How We Win. All over the country, ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to jump in and make a difference right now. Mm-hmm. The best antidote to anxiety, and we have a lot of it this week, <laughs> is action. 2020 is here, and we want you to join the party. Today, we've got a mega-sode. Mm. <laughs> First, we are joined by actors Jonathan Del Arco and Tara Carcian who host the new podcast, Hollywood Caucus. So good. Yeah, we'll talk about the Hollywood-DC connection and tease the Oscars a little bit by giving our best documentary picks. Then we have an amazing interview with former Senator Barbara Boxer and her daughter, documentary filmmaker Nicole Boxer. Together, they host The Boxer Podcast. We talk about what it was like to sit through the Clinton impeachment, how this impeachment is different, and the role of the arts in cutting through the political noise. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How We We Win. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, what an honor. Our pleasure. This is exciting. And what a week. What? uh, Why, is something happening? What what happened? What didn't happen yesterday? Well, Let me tell you, Hollywood Caucus has their stuff together way more than the Iowa caucus. Oh my God. <laughs> we can definitely be sure of that. I mean, I just don't get how that level of incompetence can even exist. Well, okay. So first of all, we drop these podcasts on Wednesday. And so all of the primaries are going to be on Tuesdays, as they typically are. I was really excited about Monday's caucus. So we could actually talk about results. Yeah. Um, but to your point, uh, I... I don't want to like rub mud in these guys' faces too much because these sure. are all volunteers. I like, get that. And um, all of those volunteers who have been working on these campaigns and basically living in Iowa for a year sure. feel really bad for them. Well, they were a little bit set up for failure. Um, apparently, from what I read, a lot of people hadn't even downloaded the app until oh, yeah. a, a caucus day. Oh, and so that in- indicates a lack of preparation and training like dry run would have been a great idea thank you like just all the volunteers in the room get your apps on let's teach you how to run it let's send some fake results today i'm always astounded that that doesn't happen that 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 people don't look at it and go here's here's what we need to do to lay this out so that it'll work beautifully you typically you would do that but the iowa (laughs) caucus is kind of a Big thing, don't you think? <laughs> don't you think someone along the road would have gone? What do you guys think? We all did. What's happening? Tara and I do a production meeting before we interview people. I mean, but also, like, here we are the morning after. Okay, so they had all night to kind of go. Okay, the app sucks. Let's do calls. Yeah, we're already how many hours in? They can't take seventeen hundred calls and write a bunch of numbers down. Come on. Well, <laughs> not to be a total bitch, but I, come on. Too late. It's too I'll late. Report, I'll report the right You're like, I can handle all of this. I got Google Sheets open. Just, just, just <laughs> call myself. Let's be that do hard, it. Young. So, so we don't know. We don't know what's going on with Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know what's going on with the impeachment proceedings and the feckless senators. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not no surprises, no. And, and really, really disheartening to uh, to watch it all unfold like this. Yeah. Um, I will say, here's the silver lining in this, and this is what I was hoping for. Swing Left's website ha- completely blew up 
after those senators took that vote. Great. Did it to, really? Yeah. Oh, in God. some cases, 20 times Great. the normal traffic on the website. In 24 hours, we raised uh, over $110,000 for the Senate Lord. fund. Great. This is the best news I've heard in a while. No, it really is. Yeah, yeah. People, activists want to volunteer. We've had all kinds of signups. People understand, uh, and here was a clear-cut case of how important it is that we flip the Senate. So important. Arguably, as or if not more important than booting, you know, who out? Because I feel like you need to have a stopgap, right? And that's going to be it. So let's get the Senate back. The the other great news about this is, and it's a good reminder that just because he's probably going to get acquitted in the Senate, most definitely will. Oh, done. isn't isn't yeah. a, isn't a loss for us? Like it's still going to mobilize yes. people. People are still going to be able to take action in response to that. So yeah. So please continue to go to swingleft.org and and donate money to the Senate Fund, adopt a Senate state. Last week we were talking about Iowa because it was the Iowa caucuses. I guess it still is the Iowa caucuses. (laughs) But we have never end. But we want to get rid of Joni Ernst there really, really badly. Big time. Yeah. So we have a big Senate seat there. Yeah. I'm very inspired by that news. I really am. Good. Are y'all gonna watch the State of the Union tonight? No, oh, I can't. I can't, I can't listen to him talk. Yeah. So that would be against my doctor's orders. <laughs> Seriously, I I I have a, a while ago, like three years ago, uh-huh. decided that I could not. I could not watch the man. Uh, so I made a deal with myself that I would just read transcripts of his speeches, which was even more annoying because I'm like. <laughs> Does no one see that this man is a complete idiot? He right. can't form sentences. Yeah. My one-eyed English bulldog could give a better speech than this guy. Oh. So I don't want anything that he is yeah. speaking. He makes my, my blood pressure yeah. go wonk, wonkers. I mean, I, I every once in a while, obviously, you have to kind of see what's happening and check in and out. I mean, mm-hmm. I do more reading than I do watching the, my my mm-hmm. husband is uh, addicted to CNN, so it's kind of on all the time. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm like upstairs meditating, and I hear like from the downstairs <laughs> the sounds of hell, and I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, <me> louder. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I think that um, reading the transcripts is a smart way around it because we still want to know, like, keep track yeah. of what he's saying, mm-hmm. but not giving him the eyeballs. I think was yeah. probably probably driving him a little crazy too. Yeah. So. Bill Maher did a, a fake campaign ad. Yeah, that, that, I hear that's really awesome. It's it's yeah, um, it's all this compilation of him slurring his words really? and not being able to talk oh. and being like, you know, it's pretty sophomoric, you know. I mean, this it's like there's so much sophomoric? severity, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, these obviously are dire times um, and to devolve into like he slurs his words when he speaks um, I would rather focus on you know he's keeping kids and families in cages yeah, right. at the border yeah, yeah, yeah. having said that I got a chuckle yeah <laughs> <laughs> we all need a good laugh yeah but we try to laugh as much as we can on the, on our podcast too because you know we try to keep it light because you know you gotta laugh or you cry yeah, yeah. and the podcast is so cool because there is this great Hollywood DC connection and you have also you know so many uh, 
activist mm-hmm. actors and artists who really use their platform oh, and, yes. and voice to make a difference. Yes. You know, we talk about our circle of influence and who mm-hmm. we can reach, and people like you have a larger reach than yeah. – um, you know, lowly people like myself. So oh, stop it. <laughs> you know everybody. Um, no, we. I think that's actually why we kind of started the podcast. Was you know, I certainly was feeling very like, what can one person do, and mm-hmm. all of that. And Johnny's so well versed politically. I am not. Okay. You know, you could have jumped in and said you're oh, not no, that I much of an idiot. There was I, a big pause there. Whatever. <laughs> That's the word on the room. street. But yeah, <laughs> we've heard Tara that. Tara has the reality check, you know, because she's a from the gut person, you know, and it's great to like sort of talk about all these things, and she'll be like, "Well, that makes no sense because people are people well, or whatever." I, I think in a, I think in a weird way, and I am I'm definitely a liberal, but I'm more a centrist liberal, and mm-hmm. so I think. That's why Johnny and I kind Mm -hmm. of work well together. But I do. I was tired of hearing that actors should keep their mouths shut, Mm. you know. And I thought, who better to do it with than my friend who I respect so greatly, you know, on his thoughts. And we just – we have a great time. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so much fun to talk to. And it's an interesting thing when people walk into that booth, especially if it's – we're interviewing a lot of close friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we tell them, if you want me to cut any of this, let me know. Because they really do. It's like a therapy session. There's a lot of sharing going on in our show. Mm-hmm. People have shared some, and I've shared some intimate things as well about, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was sexually abused in my 20s. And mm-hmm. um, I've had some real difficult work situations where I was, you know, bullied uh, at, 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 in Hollywood as a gay man. And we just share these things with each other on the podcast. And I think it's helpful because other people and their jobs have had to manage these things too. Right. So, Do you think that because you're both in the industry that it, it's easier for people to open up to you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think we were all raised to not discuss religion or politics, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think it's super important now. That's yeah. what I've uh, – those, those rules no longer apply. Okay. You know, there was a terrific moment on the first podcast we did with Jerry Ryan – Jerry, you know, talks and admits that she had never voted before mm. this election. And the thing that turned her around was when he made fun of the disabled uh, reporter. The New York Times reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that story because it is so personal. Mm-hmm. Because she has an, uh, mm-hmm. uh, her, her son is autistic. Mm-hmm. Mm. She was like, done. Done. That asshole can't be president. I loved that because that's what we need to hear. And I think that's what people, fans of Star Trek or whatever, go, hearing that from her, it's suddenly truly wrong. Yeah. You know? And that's powerful. And that is, is super powerful. And and that's that's where actors and artists can can really cut through the noise yeah. of politics. Yes. And and whether they do it in in their art or whether they they use their platform and the whole stay in your lane mm-hmm. thing uh guess what being a citizen uh Paying being taxes. engaged in our politics that's right. that is my lane that's all of our lanes exactly right, yep. right? no matter what your yep. job happens to be uh that's what we need to be paying attention to and i harp on this a lot too because i i know that politicians use our acting tools like that, not that they necessarily take ah. acting class but the, the the craft of rhetoric, yeah. how to get em, an emotion out of an, an audience. That You're thinking a... about Ted Cruz right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> an Oscar, you mean Oscar winner Ted Cruz? <laughs> I, they steal our 
our tools. Right. And yet we're not supposed to speak up when they're being used badly. And they will use so. they will use people's, you know, fame. Fame. Of course. You know, if they, can, course. if they can get them, you know, the Republicans have a hard time getting anyone of note, but well, you know, I volunteered Scott Baio's you, no but, slouch. No, he's seriously not. <laughs> uh, no I worked with Scott Baio, Steve. I just wanted to throw a name too. I worked he was, with him. He he cooked a meal for us in, in the backyard. That's a damn lie. <laughs> Chachi catering is what he was running before, um, before the uh, RNC. When you worked with Scott Bayo, mm-hmm. was he as insufferable as he seems to be? No, curved? he's really a lovely man. Ah. I'm lying. Oh. He is disgusting. Oh, I don't know him. Um, no, he used to do things like it was a stage manager's birthday, so he brought a stripper on. Oh. You know, to stop, we, we literally stopped filming. And 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 a all on set. Yeah, and all of wow. the women literally went, "Okay, we're out," and wow. and walked off. Wow. That's just a little bit into the mindset of okay. someone like. Well, that he fits into the Trump ex- world very well. Without a doubt. So well. Yeah. Without a so doubt. Well. That makes total sense now. That explains so much, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so like, grab him by the what? That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oscars next weekend. I know. It's <sighs> exciting. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's funny. I usually I'm like up early listening to I have been slightly checked out on the Oscars this year because we've been busy producing our, our podcast. As you know, putting a podcast together is a ton of work. Mm-hmm. So I was editing, I think, one of our things. And I was like, oh, the Oscars came out. I know I'm not nominated because I'm not in anything that would qualify me. <laughs> Uh, but you yeah. are in Picard. Can we I, digress? Johnny is his Picard is this week. Yeah, you, yes. you launched this week. I drop this week. My no, episode. you launch because it's a oh, sci-fi show. Ah. Mm. It's been fun because I'm returning in a character I played in my 20s. So the episode dropped this week. So I'm, I'm excited and a little nervous because the fans are very into it. So yeah. they're gonna have a lot to say. My makeup has changed. My characters evolved. So I hope they like is it, it. Is it a prequel or is it afterwards it's a sequel it's yeah. a sequel yeah oh. so this show takes us the furthest into the future of any star trek so it's about 20 years since the end of next generation and uh so we're all 20 years older wow so cool it is it's really fun it's been an amazing journey what what are you working on now what you know what's let's see i just, we came... just finished american horror story i came off of american horror story right. so um so cool it was really cool. I have never been. I mean, Johnny, because of Star Trek, knows what passionate fans are like. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I have. And a few people on set would say, oh, "Wait to you, the fans are amazing." Mm. You know, it they was, dress up like her. Oh yeah, they start. And it's not a pretty character. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a looker. She's got a big old mole yeah. right here. <laughs> um, but no, it was. It was a really kind of uh, at 54 years old and I've been working in this industry a really long time it was the first time that I dealt with people taking such ownership of what I was doing so it was a, it was a great time and it was really nice to be distracted from yeah. not having to deal with political stuff yeah. and, but now we're back all right so academy awards I want to hear <laughs> what your favorite docs are what is your favorite? Grey Gardens is my favorite fa- documentary. Grey Gardens, without a doubt, is my favorite. I can watch that mm. incessantly and find something new in it every time. And I think it's just, 
it devolves into something that you just you go this almost can't be real mm. and the fact that with the pedigree that those two women had and and the it, it speaks to the fact that there is mental illness in every family it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much money and the hoarding and all of that. So that was my, that's I think still one of my favorite documentaries. I I have to admit I have not seen Grey Gardens. I'm I have leave. seen the documentary now, uh, you know, mockumentary based on Grey Gardens. No, oh, really? that doesn't yeah. count. Steve. <laughs> I want to see both of those. Actually, <laughs> it's really good. Have you seen Mariah? Have you years seen... ago? I need you to watch it again. I need to watch it again too. I love. Uh, there's a documentary that had a big impact on me uh, many years ago. It's called The Life and Times of Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watched it when I was, I think, 20, just in the coming out process. And it kind of blew my mind, mm-hmm. like that man's life and the way his politics, the way he as a gay uh, politician, even in San Francisco, getting elected was a big deal if you were gay. Mm-hmm. And how he just, how he won the votes of, you know, I mean, I think you're seeing Mayor Pete having that effect as well with the straight community, just like being gay would be, disappeared, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, of yeah. course, how he how he was killed and what the excuses were made for why he was killed, all that is very compelling. Mm-hmm. It's a great documentary. If you've never seen it, I urge you to look it up. Yeah. Well, thank you for the tip. Yeah, Mariah. Um, so you I'm watch gonna, a lot of docs. <clears throat> I... Do I'm going to recommend one that's going to be surprising, but it's very relevant to today's podcast, okay. and it's not mm-hmm. going to win an Oscar. Okay. That. Miss Americana came out on Netflix this week. The and Taylor Swift? It's about Taylor Swift. Oh, I want to see that. And I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. It's okay I don't if mind, you are. I don't mind her music, but I'm not like a super fan. Right. But it's about... How? Mariah's wearing a Taylor Swift T-shirt. <laughs> so I... you need... Her shirt says you need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's about how being raised to be a good girl mm-hmm. means that sometimes you keep your mouth shut about the things that you really believe. And so it's about how she came to decide that she wasn't going to be a good girl anymore. And that meant that she was going to talk about her political beliefs Mm -hmm. and use her power to influence the way people feel about um, elections or um, LGBTQ Mm -hmm. rights or anything like that. So I thought that was a pretty cool look at, you know, using your influence and how scary that can be for some people, um, but how necessary it becomes. We need more Taylor Swift. I'm I'm so into that. I'm going to watch that. That sounds amazing. That sounds good. Yep. What about you, Steve? Since we're taking the Academy Award theme... Last year's Academy Award winner, Free Solo. I I haven't watched it yet because I have a fear of heights. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we watched it in the theater and uh, literally were sweating through it. It is so harrowing Mm -hmm. uh, and fascinating and just the psychology behind it. um, And it seems so just ridiculously irresponsible yet – beautiful, this pursuit for perfection. You have to be perfect in this endeavor because there's no middle ground, right? You're literally climbing up the face of El Capitan and uh, you either do it or you don't. 
I've seen it four times. Wow. Are you kidding? No, I had to watch it again uh, at home, and then I think my brother hadn't seen it, so I watched it with him, and then it was just like on. It happened to be on National Geographic, and I couldn't look away. See, that's something I will never understand. I, I can't. That to me is just – why would you do that? Well, he does have a – there's a psychology behind it. If you watch the movie, they actually do brain scans on him and he's trying to figure out like what makes me different. What's you wrong know. with me? <laughs> was this something that that would develop from the years of doing this or would it just come out of the, the gate you know, like that? But um, I'm going to yeah. watch that too. It's, it's as much about psychology as it is about the actions, which is what Grey Gardens is like mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of great documentaries, but we'll save some more for future episodes. <laughs> right. Failed on the having watched the documentaries. I'm so sorry. We we really suck at this. You, what do you mean? You, these are I four know, these great are documentaries. Great. Very relevant. Giving the people at home some uh, stuff to do when they're done with The Bachelor. You know, so. And knocking on doors and making. And thank you. Oh, yeah. They can only watch Writing A Bachelor words. after they knock on doors. There That'll be the reward. That's the reward. Yes. <laughs> and Do- what a reward. A documentary. <laughs> right. Uh, I, right. I love the knocking on door thing. I the first time I went mm. and did it, I it, it was intimidating, but it, it's super fun. Like it's. Do you ever get people saying not nice things to you or shutting a door? Oh in your yeah. Face? So my first uh, <laughs> foray into a, being a surrogate for Obama, we went to. Uh, they took me to uh, Detroit, mm. and we went out out of the city into a very uh, residential, but probably like middle income kind of area, mm. and. <laughs> We went on the first. We knocked on the first door. We had a list of who had voted for him, and it was a uh, maybe sixty-year-old African-American man came out. He was mad that we had cameras and like shooed them away because they were filming me knocking on doors. Right. And I had my little thing, and I said, "Hey, sir, would you like to? Um, you know, I see you voted for Obama. Can we count on you to vote for Obama again?" Super shaking, you know, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know about that gay marriage because he just come out for gay marriage. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And he goes, I don't know about that. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Wow. Do I tell him I'm gay and it's fine? <laughs> <laughs> do I convert his you know, idea of thinking? And I was like, no, nope, not enough time. I was like, well, you know, a president can't change the law, so he could never make gay marriage legal. And he was like, well, that's true. I'm like, so can we count on your vote? And he goes, well, I'm not voting for Romney. And that was the end of that. So I totally compromised my principles to get a vote. And I think that's the way you knock on doors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Volunteers, more notes from Johnny later. (laughs) This is not enough time to go on a deep dive of why gay marriage is important to me. I would would have liked to see that conversation. No, it would have been interesting. I think now I'd have it. I think Mm -hmm. being the first door I knocked on, I was just happy to get the vote. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a, I mean, it's a valuable lesson, right? And that not everyone you talk to is going to agree with you. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of find find common ground. Find the open door. Yeah, find the open door. Yeah. yeah, we always do a to-do list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for our podcast, so we give people some concrete stuff to do every week. It's really important. Knocking on doors is always a great, great action mm-hmm. that they can do, and we're knocking on doors all over the country in these super states. We talked about raising money for the Senate, um, mm-hmm. so please continue to do that. These Senate, like you know, like you so mm-hmm. you put it so well, the Senate really, uh, there's a good case to be made that it's more important mm-hmm. than winning back the White House. Let's go ahead and do both, but let's make sure we focus on the Senate, raise more money. Mm-hmm. There is a, an impeachment rally going on uh, Wednesday night. To, um, when this drops, it'll be tonight. 
Uh, if you go to rejectthecoverup.org, you can find... <laughs> well, that's subtle. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, it's what it is. Yeah. Get to the point. Without yeah. a doubt. I mean, no witnesses, no documents. It's a straight-up cover-up. That's but, right. Um, and uh, and we need to make our voices heard there. So find a rally near you. Go to rejectthecoverup.org mm-hmm. and, uh, and make your voices heard. And lastly... It's phone a friend February. What's that? Oh. Hi, Tara. I'm calling you right now. No, don't. <laughs> don't. I want to hear Steve talk about it. Go on. <laughs> phone a f- friend February is our opportunity here at How We Win to double the amount of people listening to this podcast. Oh. Right? Um, yes. Exactly. I remember us talking about this now. <laughs> <laughs> now the whole time you're like, what the fuck is he talking <laughs> about? Oh, okay. <laughs> What's that? We discussed it in January, and January was seven years long. So January, January was, was the longest year. Decade, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I forgot. But yes, phone- January did, wouldn't yeah. have worked because there was no good alliteration to do it. Right. But, but I'm into the alliteration part. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, we this is a megaphone to get people into action, right. and uh, it's been really exciting to hear anecdotes from people showing at canvases and saying, "I heard about this from the podcast." That's so amazing. I went out to Canvas. We had a, um, someone who signed up to write letters with Vote Forward because they heard about it on the podcast. Even had someone say uh, they didn't know they could call their senators. And they learn that on the podcast, right? Um, so, it, like, I'm getting chills a little bit right now because this is what we want to do: is we want to give people the tools to get into action. It needs to be bigger, yeah. so um, we can double this if everyone who is a subscriber to the podcast phones a friend and gets them to subscribe. Right. That's double the listeners right there. That's you easy. You have to do that. Yeah. You yeah. have to do that because even on our podcast, Kira Sedgwick. Mm-hmm. Was a guest, and she talked about Swing Left. Mm-hmm. She is lovely. She is lovely. A and bunch of stuff for Swing Left. So, uh, again, you guys are reaching the masses. I think it's incredible. This podcast is incredible. I'm Don't phoning phone a friend. I'm phoning a bunch of friends. Okay, <laughs> that you can phone more than one. We yeah, can exactly. more than double. Yeah, we'll it. double I'm, take I'm, it. We'll take that. Yeah, but like but serious, everyone listening to this. Uh, who subscribes. Yeah. If you don't subscribe, make sure you subscribe. Right. Um, step one. Yeah. Step one. But, you know, phone a friend. Get someone else to subscribe. Yeah, Let's double people, this. People like when you give them information that That's they right. can use. So let people know. It's also great because a lot of podcasts now are like analysis, and it's like you guys are giving them tools. That's right, and I think which there, is huge. There aren't you're the only podcast I know that's doing that. So that's great. And there is a lot of misinformation, again, Mm. my drag name, um, (laughs) about what it takes to register to vote, what it takes to knock on doors. It's Mm -hmm. like demystifying that is really a positive thing, I think, and how fun it really is. You you know, to be with a bunch of neighbors and go out and do this, you know, it's it's a fun experience. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So... Thank you guys so much for joining us. No, this is thank you. this is a like I said, it's a megasode because uh, coming up for our interview, we have the former senator from the great state of California, Barbara Boxer, Love. Uh, who talks about her experience living through the Clinton impeachment, and also her daughter Nicole Boxer, um, who is an amazing uh, documentary filmmaker, and we talk about again how the arts can cut through the political noise. So um, this is such an awesome episode having you guys here. It's yeah. very exciting. Thank Perfect. you guys. Thank you guys Thank for, you for doing this us. and for the show and for all of your stuff. 
Thank you. Thank you. Barbara Boxer served as a U.S. Senator for California from 1993 to 2017 and was a member of Congress from 1983 to 93. She's also the founder of the political action committee Pack for a Change. And Nicole Boxer is an award-winning documentary filmmaker who's worked on game-changing projects like The Hunting Ground, How I Got Over, and 14 Women. Together, they co-host The Boxer Podcast, which is just as entertaining as it is informative. Senator Boxer and Nicole, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Absolutely our pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of want to start at the beginning. Senator Boxer, it's often said that women are asked like half a dozen times to run for office before they consider it. Was that your experience? In my day, women weren't asked to run. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, the, the reason that we had the year of the woman mm-hmm. in 1992 when Senator Feinstein and I got elected and Patty Murray and Carol Mosley Braun, it was a banner year. Mm-hmm. And we tripled our numbers in the Senate, but we went from only two to only six. And the only reason we ran was, honestly, most of us, because of Anita Hill. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we won, it, at least I won, was because of Anita Hill. And let me explain. I don't think people recognize how underrepresented women were in the United States Senate till they looked at that hearing mm-hmm. uh, over Clarence Thomas's nomination to the court, and they saw not one woman. Then they looked at the whole Senate. They saw one Democratic woman and one Republican woman. So I'm, I, I guess the way I, what I'm saying is we weren't even asked to run. We were looked at as, you know, very odd when we did run then. So it has gotten better. At least women are being asked mm-hmm. more than once to run. And they are running more and they are making change. And there's a great story about when Barbara ran for uh, local office in 1972, how they, they were all anti-war activists and, mm-hmm. and living in Marin County, California, and there was a seat opening up on the local board of supervisors, and the whole group, the anti-war group, came to my dad mm-hmm. and said, hey, Stu, I really think you should run for this open seat. And he said, well, how much does it pay? <laughs> and it was some like ridiculously low amount. And Eleven thousand, so, right? And so wow. he looks over at good. Barbara and says, "You know, you should do it." <laughs> so that was how she got into politics in the first place. That's Did true. You... That's how I got to run. I, I was an activist, but Nicole's story is spot on. And as an activist, what kind of stuff were you working on back then? Well, as Nicole said, it was the anti-war. That was Vietnam War. Uh, trying to bring that to an end. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had the environmental mantra. I had tried to save our county because we had a plan that was not good for development. And we had so many marshlands and rivers and streams and mountains to protect. And so I'd say it was the environment. It was the peace movement. It was also a woman's right to choose because remember, in ninth, this is probably before you were born, or no, maybe right after. Mm-hmm. But in the seventies is when Roe v. Wade became the law of the land, and mm-hmm. it was very controversial. So those were the three main issues. 
one last one was, since my kids were little, I noticed there were no after-school programs, so I really wanted to move on that. So wow. women could work and the kids would be taken right. care of, and she did, in fact, open the first after-school program when I was little. I guess I'm going in. <laughs> um, did you, Nicole, did you ever feel pressure to, to follow in her footsteps? Did you I ever get the did. question? I never did. And, you know, I think everyone could tell just from observing me for five minutes that I was a bit of an artist <laughs> and I was a bit out there and I was, you know, maybe not cut out for politics. But I really have to say how much I've enjoyed being in the family and getting to have all these incredible experiences, meeting all these presidents and politicians and, and observing things from like standing right next to my mom. It's been amazing. Were you in involved in your mom's campaigns as well? Always, yeah. always involved. And it was always just really fun. I mean, back in the day when it was fun to stuff envelopes <laughs> and it was fun to knock on doors. and It still and is fun. It, it is fun. <laughs> and, but there's so much at stake now. It, mm. it really feels, you know, and, and just reading what's going on in Iowa today. And right. so there is that, you're right, it is fun. And it, it's fun when you love the candidate. And in my case with Barbara, of course, I, I loved her very much. <laughs> well, I could also just want to say something that we really don't talk about much. Um, you know, your children, your family, it's essential to your candidacy. And, you know, Nicole will tell you, uh, because we have a relationship where we, when we're aggravated, we tell each other. And, you know, regardless of what it's about. And so when you're a mom, um, and, and to a lesser extent a dad, it's still a little bit different. You know, when your kids are going through hard times, when there are things in the family that are difficult, it it makes it so much harder to do your job because politics and holding office, it's 24-7. Mm -hmm. You're never, ever, ever away from it, ever. And I, I think it's important. It was funny when you said, Nicole, uh, stuffing envelopes. We hardly stuff envelopes anymore in it's politics. It's true. <laughs> we yeah. just push the send button. <laughs> yeah, but we had, you know, growing up in Marin and, and being in local politics in Marin was really cool because – we had a lot of rock stars in Marin, you know, we'd have the Grateful Dead at, at events, or we'd have Robin Williams at an event, and they were just Santana. our neighbors, Santana, and it just made it nice. more fun, and a lot of my friends would want to be at everything, because they didn't <laughs> want to miss out on that. Because it, it was a really fun, fun gig. Yeah. yeah, and spaghetti feeds, and all those yeah. things that we used to do that were really locally based in the community, which I'm sure is still going on. And and I'll I'll make a plug actually for stuffing envelopes now because um, that sort of did go away as you said, Senator. Um, but now uh, we're using these um, letter writing campaigns to reach voters. That's really effective because they're not used to getting these handwritten letters, especially mm -hmm. like younger voters, oh, yeah. college students. Love it. They yeah, love, they're, they they're, they actually get excited when they get a handwritten letter in the mail. They they read it and they've been uh, it's it's a kind of a new old tactic yeah. for engaging voters. Yeah, it's like a vinyl record. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, wow, my mom is hip. That's right. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but you know, there is nothing like and Nicole, you know this is true. You and Kevin have your son Sawyer, who's now about eleven. He always writes me letters. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he's I a big know, letter writer. And I love that, and it's the sweetest thing. And and so I think it, your point is well taken. This is an old, new idea for politics. I love it. 
Well, let's get Sawyer writing some letters to voters, too. We're in. Oh, in a heartbeat. (laughs) Um, Steve and I were recently on the Boxer podcast, and one of my favorite moments, uh, Senator, was when you talked about how critical high voter turnout was for you in your campaigns. How did you get more volunteers to show up, or more voters, rather, to show up so that you could cement your wins? You know, there's a magical thing that happens with a candidate and voters. It's hard to describe, and most so-called experts and commentators demean it and don't understand it. Um, You have to make a connection with voters so that they really trust you and care and know you're going to make a difference. And otherwise, they're not going to make the effort. So I would say... The candidacy is critical to, to make the connection, but the campaign has to carry that out. Mm. The whole campaign has to take on this air that it makes a difference. It's a magical potion. I would just add that I think one of the things Barbara did very well was she carried the issues that were core to her from the beginning. Mm. So it was choice, the environment, being anti-war. And these things were running so personally through her and in voters Mm -hmm. that when she lifted her voice and she was pissed, um, (laughs) they felt that that was authentic and real. Mm. And I think authenticity is always going to inspire voters they can see through you if you're not being real and she put her heart on her sleeve and every day on the senate floor and people saw that thank you nicole (laughs) (laughs) well that i think that's absolutely true i mean authenticity does shine through and um even for volunteers working on campaigns you know uh sharing your personal story like why you're there knocking on doors why you're contacting voters that's how we really connect with people those authentic connections absolutely when someone knocks on your door and the work that you're doing makes that personal contact writes that letter as nicole said you know, we have a good radar for, is this real? Is, does this matter? Is this person at my door because they're getting paid to be at my door? Or is this person at my door because they are a believer in this candidate? So it's exciting. You know, the one thing I was going to ask you when you were on our show <laughs> is if you agree with me that, and I don't know how Nicole feels, we haven't discussed it, what I love about being an activist in this in this in this area is that you make friends with people of every age, all the diversity that comes forward, mm-hmm. and I love that because when you're young and you meet an older person, and maybe normally you wouldn't talk to an older person, you find that common ground. And so I've always loved that about being an activist in politics, that it's a broad range of ages. Uh, lots of diversity in terms of ethnicity, but also what you're working on. And what binds you together is this common vision of what the country should look like. Um, That's spot on. That's been my experience as a volunteer, so it's really cool to hear it said in that way. Yeah, nothing Uh, to add to that. That's absolutely 100% my experience. And that's why people should, should... Get in, involved because it enriches you. Yes, definitely. Um, Nicole, a few minutes ago, you talked about being an artist. Yeah. Um, but it feels like you found a way to um, 
do art and political activism at mm-hmm. the same time and have a, a you know big impact that way. Yeah. Um, how was that intentional? And like, how did you sort of come to realize yeah. that you could marry the two? Well, you know, I think that I was in the right place at the right time in many ways and had the right experience. Uh, I went to film school when I came out. I was working in the feature film industry. I worked on the film Rudy, and so I married an axe murderer. Love that movie. Some really great (laughs) 90s movies, and took a break, got married, had kids. When I came back in, it was during the Bush years, and and there was, we forget, but there was an anti-war movement going on with George Bush and Mm -hmm. the Iraq War. And I feel like things started to change around then. So my entry back in was making a documentary about AIDS as a national security threat. Mm -hmm. And again, I wouldn't say at that time that this news-ish documentary was art, but in fact it was because the backdrop to what we were filming was so, so different. And the people that I work with were capturing these images that were so stunningly beautiful, but also forced you to look and forced you to pay attention. And that just continued to go on and on with... Mm -hmm. The, the movies that I made with Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering about sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that I was, I was built for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that. That really, that became more and more important to me as I could see people being affected by these films. And mm-hmm. actually getting hope around an issue like sexual assault. I mean, you know, it's, we still have a long way to go, but I think these films are really showing that we can make a difference through culture change, mm-hmm. not just through politics. And getting to the Oscars certainly helps. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a big part. Well, I, so, I'm, I just have to chime in as a mom here, not as a former senator. <laughs> but watching Nicole marry her skills because she's got she's got that training and that eye for you know how to use your artistic view of the world and 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 put that into a documentary. And and the one thing that happened at the time is our newspapers started to cut back in terms of how many reporters they could have, how many in-depth stories they could have. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I said to Nicole at the time, you're in this field now, and you were really filling a gap. Um, for example, her film about How I Got Over, which you can see on what, Nicole, Netflix? Yes. Yeah, How I Got Over. It's a beautiful film about something that, you know, they don't write about much anymore. What happens to, uh, to people, especially women, mm-hmm. who get caught up in addiction and poverty and Ill- mental illness and all of these things? How can they or do they ever pull themselves out of that basement? And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story, but it's also uh, something we need to look at and not look away from. So in many ways, I think her skill set you know, if she chooses to stay here, because you never know with Nick, she could march in another direction. But if she stays in, in this, <laughs> she seems like a wild you know, card I'm, to me. I'm going to become a volunteer at Swing Left full time. <laughs> well, but you get my drift. That I yeah. think it's so important, um, not just the work Nicole does, but so many other people are doing in that space to to fill in the gaps that we have with with newspapers cutting back on doing these very deep, this, these deep dives into social problems. Yeah, no doubt that the arts uh, have a huge role to play in is not just yeah. spreading different kinds of messages, but, you know, I, uh, I've i always been, I grew up in D.C. and have been out here in Los Angeles for <clears throat> a long time, but, um, 
I, I've always been fascinated with the connection between the two places, yeah. between D.C. Yeah. and L.A. And um, we need to support each other to really galvanize the nation behind all of these issues that are that we have in common. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, politicians don't have the ability always to cut through the noise in this hype, especially now in this hyperpartisan environment. So artists can really go a long way to doing the work we need to bring our country together on the foundational issues that bind us together. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to what we were saying yep. earlier, which is how powerful storytelling and authenticity are. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's an opportunity. Yeah, and, and artists being able to, they feel like they're more unleashed now to talk about mm-hmm. issues that they care about. Like you'll see people go up at the Oscars and mm-hmm. use their time right. to, to talk about climate change. Yeah. And, you know, what Jane Fonda's doing on climate right. change and galvanizing her people. So, And they have such deep reach. If we talk about influencers, and mm-hmm. that's such a buzzword now. And right. What do you do with it? You know, you're going to sell a piece of clothing or some Gucci or are you going to talk about climate change? Right. Because I want to follow the person who is talking about climate change. Yeah. Absolutely. Having said all that, despite your great work, I'm thrilled that you're joining Swing Left. So I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Sign me up. <laughs> so there's another thing going on right now that we, we need to ask you about, Senator Boxer. I'm, I'm sure you've got the TV on in the background. The impeachment trial is going, going on right now. Uh, you sat through an impeachment trial in 1999. Um, what's it like sitting in the Senate chamber through that testimony, and and what what parallels are you seeing with this? Yeah. Moment? Well, the first non-parallel is the difference in the subject matter. In the Clinton impeachment, it was lying about sex. Right. It was an ugly thing to look at. It was terribly disappointing, and uh, especially on the women members. But this is about national security. This is about abuse of power surrounding um, a president shaking down a foreign leader who desperately needed his help and using his position for his own personal gain, trying to slime Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. So right off the top, it's a different topic. But I'll tell you, it's it's very um, tough sitting in in that room. It's because the emotions are flowing from both sides, and it's adversarial. You can't really do much except sit there. It's it's tough. I'll tell you right now, it's tough. That's interesting about the, the you know, we kind of imagine, we, we've heard all these things, like you can't have coffee, you can't have your phone, you're just sitting there, uh, but people aren't talking about whether or not it's contentious inside the room. And you kind of always hope that maybe it's not, but I guess that's not the case. Well, look, if you feel in this case very strongly already mm-hmm. on yeah. one side or the other, <laughs> yeah. and you feel you've looked at this a hundred ways to Sunday, mm. and and then you're sitting through questioning, and it's uh, it's almost like you know what the people are going to say. Mm. And I can't describe it. It's it's very tough. You have to sit there and you have to listen. I'm not saying, you know, there's hostility in the room, but it's a lot of, um, it's, it's hard to hear the opposing side because you've already pretty much decided, let's be clear. Hmm. Uh, you know, my, I used to work for a guy named John Burton. Nicole knows him well. And he was in the Congress, and when he left, I ran for a seat and won. 
And John used to say, there's not a dry eye in the house, meaning everybody already knows. <laughs> um, the only unknown here is how many people are going to vote for witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's frustrating, it's difficult, it's somber, it's... Um, it's not pleasant. I, I no. mean, wouldn't it be great if I could say, oh, it was a wonderful experience? No, it wasn't a wonderful experience. <laughs> I mean, for me, at that time, having to sit here, that uh, having um, consensual sex and lying about it is a high crime and misdemeanor, according to the founders, mm. that was pretty tough to take. And, I mean, not to get too personal, but at the time, I was married into the Clinton family, and Bill Clinton was my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, listeners can imagine what that felt like. Um, yeah, and, and, I got, and I had gotten to the Senate because of Anita Hill, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and I was so disappointed in, in Bill Clinton's actions here in this whole thing. It was, it was really awful. It was so awful. I got the, wor- I got the, only, the flu. The only time I ever got the flu <laughs> was doing that. Yeah, and I felt bad because every article that mentioned Barbara would say, Barbara Boxer, whose daughter is married to Tony, who's Hillary's brother. I just felt terrible. How dare you not recuse yourself? And I basically said, I was totally sincere. I said, you know, this was terrible. I even used the word immoral. And I said, for me, the question is, does it rise to the level of a high crime and misdemeanors as the Constitution requires? So I said, no, I'm not going to uh, recuse myself. Um, It sounds like you all as a family have pretty open and honest conversations. So was that the case at that point in time? Or did you feel like you, you know, there were things that you didn't want to talk about? I mean, I think we were pretty open about it. I think, you know, there was no doubt that Bill Clinton was guilty of what you know, of what happened. And, um, you know, that was an open secret, um, certainly within the family. Mm-hmm. And um, my thoughts were that he should just be open and honest about it. Now, of course, I was a minority of one. I mean, majority <laughs> of one, the only one in the family saying that. But yeah. I do think that uh, my mom had a job to do. And, you know, for me, I wasn't certainly was not political at that time. It was more about supporting my family and just right. wanting to get through it. And seeing that, you know, my mother in law was having a really hard time. And mm. you just want to love the people around you when they're when the spotlights on you like that. But we all have to be personally responsible for our parts in it. And that's where I think this impeachment differs. You know? Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this is a different breed, this, this impeachment. And, and as I said the other day when I went on Fox News, which was shocking, I hadn't gone on there in 20 years, but I <laughs> wanted those people to hear the truth, if I might say that. If, if a senator had done what Trump did, they'd be kicked out of the Senate because mm. you cannot use your official position to help your campaign right. or your personal life in any way. And that's the truth. And so um, this is a different thing. And so to hear, you know, the Republican counsel just do this scattershot defense, throwing all the spaghetti on the wall to Mm. see that what sticks, they can't defend what he did. And now they're trying to stop Bolton's book. The the White House put out a statement that they are seeking to stop the publication. 
Yeah, and Steve, you said something to me earlier about how Mitch McConnell's wife is part of the cabinet. I mean, mm-hmm. right there, you sort of have a conflict of interest. You had a series of the senators who are currently the jury um, on trips to Ukraine with this administration. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just mixing up the situation with mm-hmm. people's personal agendas, and so. You know, I don't know how you parse through all of that when you have people that literally were on these UK, Ukrainian trips right. uh, as part of the president's delegation who are judges. Yeah, they're they're not just covering it up for the president um, in many cases. And we don't know because all of the information, all the subpoenas have been squashed. Uh, in many cases, they're covering it up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're That's just a good point. Yeah. You know, they're they're never going to let that information come out if they have any power to stop it, and they do have a lot of power to stop it right now. Yeah, which, twenty years we'll find out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, hopefully sooner, because uh, in November we have an opportunity to vote these Republican senators out of office. Oh, and thank take you back. for mentioning. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you and your mom seem to communicate very well. You have over the years through some very difficult times after Trump was elected. You decided to communicate in public for everybody with yeah. this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about the Boxer Podcast and and what you why you started it and what you do yeah. with it. Well, I mean, I as my mom was you know getting ready to retire from office and move back to California, it was clear that we would want to do something together. So I pitched the idea of a podcast to her. And what did um, I say, Nick? And she was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> I was like, it's a radio show that comes out of your phone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was something we were really interested in doing. And we thought how it, that it would be cool if mother, daughter do, taking this on and certainly wanting to keep our voices out there. Um, I don't think we could have ever predicted how gnarly it was going to get. Hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. the original idea was that Barbara would have on these guests that are friends of hers, that are senators, and that I would have on people who are running for office, mostly women and for the first time. So mm-hmm. I interviewed a ton of that that huge wave of right. women that went in. And it was just so exciting. Cool. And I feel a part of it because I feel like, oh, I had Lauren Underwood was my second guest. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, so, BB, what do you what do you think? My the part I love the most, 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 most is when we do our banter at the at the start of the show, because I think it's um it's almost like every family banter, because we don't um, act like senator and documentary filmmaker. We act like we are mother daughter, and it's real. And sometimes we get annoyed with each other, which I think <laughs> is that's real. I mean, mm-hmm. and so we we let that go, and then and then we do an interview, and we do it with interesting people like you guys. We have um, <laughs> some wonderful guests. We have Nancy Pelosi on, her daughter Christine. Now and then, you know, we have some regulars that come on. We're having like, Jane uh, Cleve on the show today. We have oh, cool. activists, particularly Nicole, finds these <clears throat> really interesting people. Um, who are working in the space you're working in and candidates, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a way of keeping our thoughts out there, our views out there, and also doing what you do to the extent that we can. And Nicole is really terrific at this, which is getting people to understand what's at stake and why they need to step up. They need to volunteer and step up. That's the key. And as we said before, the key to victory for Democrats, there's only one key. It's voter turnout. Mm-hmm. We have huge voter turnout. We win big. 
We have terrible voter turnout. We lose big. We have medium voter turnout. It's too close to call. Mm. That's the truth. And the medium voter turnout that's too close to call uh, gets edged to the Republicans who cheat and disenfranchise and uh, marginalize. Yeah, and suppress. Exactly. Um, we've been talking a lot lately, including on on your podcast, um, about how as you know the presidential field for Democrats is getting smaller. It's getting a little bit more contentious. It feels like how do we avoid repeats of the last presidential cycle when some voters felt like the DNC maybe picked sides too early, um, and the national convention was kind of tense at times? Um, mm-hmm. How do we avoid repeating our mistakes of the past? First of all, structure does matter. I mean, let's have a very transparent, fair structure. Um, And I would hope the DNC uh, would do that. I don't know what that is. That's that's not my thing. It's not my lane. But it's got to be fair. It's got to be clear and hopefully agreed to by the major candidates. But let's be clear. Elections are contentious. They're contentious. Mm -hmm. Look back at the Republican uh, nomination fight last time. I mean, I, yeah, little Marco <laughs> and Lion Ted and all of this crazy stuff. So They're all Trump's best friends be now. <laughs> yeah, and I don't thing. want they to all be a Pollyanna, yeah. but I, I want to say this. No matter how contentious it gets, and it will be ugly, and I'm, I know that it will be. It will be ugly. Um, it's not going to be near as ugly as what Trump's going to throw at our eventual nominee. So you have to go through this stuff. You have to go through it. And you have to uh, let it roll off your back, but you've got to handle it. You've got to step right up. If you're one of the candidates being slimed, you've got to stand up there and give it right back. So, I, I, I mean, I hope I don't sound like a Pollyanna, but I'm not a whiner. I'm not a crybaby. I took such garbage in every one of my races. And you have to stand up to it. Because I'll tell you why. Voters want someone who can beat Donald Trump. That's far and away. You know, Cory Booker, who is so wonderful, Nicole supported, beautiful human being. One thing I didn't agree with when he said, he said, well, the 2020 election, the, the floor is beating Donald Trump, not the ceiling. I think it's the floor and the ceiling. And and everything in between, beating mm-hmm. Donald Trump. So we have, to, we have to go through this hell. We've got to sh- have a candidate that can take it, dish it back in the best of ways. We have to have a fair structure. And then the big thing I know you'll be working on, along with me and Nicole, uniting, 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 uniting. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would add is what I can control myself, which is when I talk to voters, I listen to them. I, you know, there's a lot of whataboutism and there's a lot of, well, he did that, but you did that and they did that and everybody, Mm. there's a lot of confusion over what's real, what's true. So I think listening to someone and then talking to them about the issues, because I've been saying this even on on the headcount board, you know, uh, for years that we can't become about the cult of personality as voters. We really have to identify the issues that resonate with us, that connect to us, and advocate for those things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just think we have to speak our truth on the issues that that we care about. We're talking about things that are so much bigger than 
who called who what. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking right. about this, you know, survival of species on the planet, including our own. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I want to learn from people what they care about and then remind them, oh my goodness, by the way, you actually, we have so much in common, mm-hmm. you know? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. well um i i know that you all have to go um we and you're doing wonderful work to that end also with pack for a change um so we want people to get involved there as well but uh just one last question to ask both of you what gives you hope for this coming year okay nick it's yours Oh, my goodness. Well, what gives me hope is the thing that sort of has fueled my tank is 2018 Mm. and what we were able to achieve and the number of of young people that are now dialed in, they're tuned in, they're voting in higher numbers than they ever have before. So that's what's inspiring me are young people using their voices, the people closest to the pain, using their power to articulate the vision of the world that they want to see. So with their leadership, I feel really inspired to go out there and help whoever becomes our nominee. Well, I would say I'm so glad you mentioned 2018 because so many people, including me, I sometimes forget it. It was huge. It was transformational. Mm -hmm. It was a commentary on the need to change direction. So we must, must, must build on that. And, you know, I I would say there's always going to be a group of people who are grumpers and stay on the sidelines and and throw bricks if if they don't get their way and they don't get their candidate. That's going to happen. The way to deal with it, I think, is to say, do what you want, but you know what? We're going to go out there. We're going to get new voters. We're going to get new people. We're going to make it... And I would say don't give them too much attention and, and time. Sometimes we do too much of that. Mm. Um, I would just say everyone has a right, you know, to do what they want, but I know what I want to do. Beat Donald Trump, and I'm going to just ignore the negativity and move forward. You know, that may be where we wind up, but I have great hopes, too. And I, I, we haven't mentioned Nancy Pelosi except in passing. I think I mentioned her name. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of the great strategists of all times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think we've got the talent. We've got people like you who are out in the field. This is, this is where it's going to matter. So I'm so happy you invited us on your show. Thank you for joining us today and for stepping up and taking action. This is how we win. Do you have questions or topics you want to discuss? Want to share your own story? <laughs> Send us an email to podcast at swingleft.org. Thanks to all of our subscribers. If you aren't a subscriber yet, please do subscribe and rate on Apple or wherever you get your pods. And don't forget, it's phone a friend February. So make sure you phone a friend and get them to subscribe too. That's right. Thank you to all of you who share and promote our show, including our friends at Dimcast. Share our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And of course, sign up to volunteer. We really appreciate you being here with us and are excited to bring you more from the field and possibly some Iowa results next Wednesday. (laughs) See you then. (laughs) MSW.